0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to an episode of Straight from the CPA's Mouth, the fourth and final episode in a series of specials for Financial Literacy Month. I'm Renee Zhang, director of the CPA Education Foundation at CPA Alberta, and I will be your host today. Today, we will be talking with Lisa Matthews, CPA, CGA, about her incredible journey from bankruptcy to early retirement. We'll also hear what she has to say about investing and what tips she has for those who don't know where to begin. 150,000 new businesses are created in Canada each year. But only digital intelligence is a critical skill for leaders.
1: How do I products develop products? Artificial intelligence will take over
0: analytics, big data, trend analysis.
1: It needs to diversify its economy.
0: But how do we do that? Create
1: new opportunities for young innovators. This
0: account for 77% of all private, private jobs created companies. in Canada. Filter out the noise. Hear it straight from the CPA's mouth. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you, Renee. Thank you so much for being here today. So, I understand that you are a very strong advocate for financial literacy. Mm -hmm. And tell us a little bit about how you discovered it yourself. Um, My journey to financial literacy
1: began a long while ago. Um, My passion and advocacy started about five years ago when I was introduced to the CPA Financial Literacy Programme. And I was just awed at what we were doing in the CPA program to improve financial literacy for all Canadians. And it reminded me of my own struggles. And I thought if only I had had this information when I was a young adult starting out, a lot of the hardships that I had gone through I probably could have avoided. So now I try to promote financial literacy Everywhere I go, every activity I do, to try to help people understand what it is to be financially independent without having to go through some of the struggles that me and my family had to go through.
0: So along those lines then, what have you been able to accomplish in promoting financial literacy since you discovered it? Uh, I have been a strong
1: volunteer with the CPA Financial Literacy Program. I've done... Probably around eighty volunteer sessions since I started in and around Calgary. I've done some virtually with people in other provinces of Canada. Um, I do sessions one on one if I need to. I do sessions with a hundred people if I need to. Whatever it takes. And I've been very uh, in, in very close contact with the CPA Financial Literacy yeah. Office and. Helping them improve their sessions, giving them my feedback, my advice on how to, um, what sessions need to be out there, what yeah. additional sessions need to be out there, and also working with CPAs and helping them become more aware of this program and how to get it into their workplace and into the communities.
0: Just If you want to just go back then, tell us a little bit more kind of about your story. You talked a little bit about kind of all the struggles you faced earlier on in your life before you got into this whole financial literacy world. Well, it is quite the story. Uh, I'm sure we all
1: have our stories, but my story began in a little rural village in Newfoundland, a little fishing village called Round Harbour. When I grew up there, it was a population of about 30 people, one-room elementary school. Wow. yeah, Very, very small. Very small. I was seven when we got a toilet in our house, and my brother left the seat up, and I fell in the first time. Never forget that. (laughs) But uh, was way below the poverty line, and I was uh, educationally very bright, always the top of my class, and I knew that I wanted to have a family, and I didn't want to raise my family below the poverty line. So I chose to do a bachelor of commerce degree at Memorial University in Newfoundland, majored in finance and accounting. So I would never be an accountant. (laughs) (laughs) But life throws you curveballs. And uh, my husband did engineering and we got married my last, just after I graduated from my bachelor of commerce degree. Uh, Our daughter was born a few months after, and I chose to stay at home with her. He was working in oil and gas and making really good money, and it was an opportunity for me to to do that. Lo and behold, a year later, he got laid off. Uh, He became a stay-at-home dad. I became a working mom, and then my job was only contract. I lost my job. He got another job, and a year later, he got (laughs) laid off again, and we're like, This isn't cutting it. We're not getting ahead.
0: (laughs) Five curveballs in a row. Oh, my goodness.
1: So we decided, my husband had a contact in Calgary in 95 that had a job for him. They said, you get here, we have a job for you, but we're not going to pay for your move. So we had managed to save up at that point probably $10,000. So that financed our move to Calgary, got us a vehicle. We sold everything we owned, bought new furniture, got into our condo and art goes to work and oh art we forgot to call you we're laying everybody off so we had two children at this stage and we had used all our savings for the move and to get into our apartment and furniture we had no income we lived off craft dinner and cheerios for five months and There just wasn't any jobs. We were either overqualified or underqualified. So we ended up going home with mom and dad and lived with mom and dad for two months. Love my parents and they love me. But (laughs) living with your parents when you're a parent yourself causes a little bit of conflict. You you wouldn't recommend it. Not at all. Uh, So we we moved to another town in Newfoundland where we could walk to grocery stores. and, And the Internet was a new thing at this time. So we had to go to the college to access the internet which we did and we had no money to pay our student loans or our car loan we ended up having to declare bankruptcy. Now that went against everything I believed in at that point, but I am so grateful that those laws were there for us. We didn't have bad financial behaviors, we just had no income yeah. and no way to get income. So I'm very grateful that that was there. We got back on our feet. Everything was going fine. My husband was working for an engineering consulting firm and the And lo and behold, another curveball. Our son was diagnosed with autism. And the services weren't available in Newfoundland to help him. So we decided we had to move again. But this time, we were going to have a job first and a job that committed to paying for the move. So we moved to Sarnia, Ontario. I went to work in the financial services industry. Now, previous to this, I had started a bookkeeping practice out of my home in Newfoundland. And in the course of doing that, I wanted to make sure my clients had the best advice that they could have. So I enrolled in the CGA program. I only had a couple of courses left to do when Nicholas, my son, was diagnosed with autism. I'm like, three letters after my name or a son who couldn't talk to me. So I took a leave of absence from the program, which was only supposed to be one year, turned into five. We got to Cernia. I went to work in the banking industry and realized it wasn't going to Cover the costs of living that we had. We were paying fifty to sixty thousand dollars a year for private speech therapy and occupational therapy, and other for- sources of therapy for our son, and. The $30,000 a year I was making wasn't going to cut it. So I re-enrolled in the CGA program after having about six interviews with oil and gas companies. And it came down to two people, myself and someone else. And every time it went to the person who had their accounting designation. I'm like, Lisa, pull up your pants. Yeah. You can do this. (laughs) So So you really saw the value at that point. Absolutely. And... I enrolled in the program, and even before I finished, just having the enrollment in the program and my three courses that I had to finish now became eight, even though I had aced them, but because of the time lapse, I had to redo them. I got a job with Shell in Sarnia, and I tripled my income that first job. Right away. Right away. Yeah. And I'm like, this is what the CGA program can do for our family. So we kept our standard of living the same. The extra money we made, we used it to pay off our debt. We were almost to the point of declaring bankruptcy a second Again? time okay, because of the issues with trying to finance the the rehabilitation for our son. And you declare bankruptcy once, it comes off your record after seven years. A second time, it may come off after 14 years. It may never come off. So thank goodness we didn't have to go down that path. Thank goodness Shell saw my worth and my value as an employee and hired me and we paid off all of our debt. And we started paying ourselves first. And what I mean by that is... You have to pay your mortgage. You're not mm-hmm. going to miss your mortgage. You would do whatever it takes to make your mortgage payment, your car insurance payment, all those types of things. You also need to put your retirement savings plan at the top of that list Before, it's more important than your mortgage. It's more important than that car payment. And that's what we did. So we focused on maxing out our RRSPs and our TFSAs when they came into play. When our kids turned 18, they maxed out their TFSAs and our RRSPs. But that was really getting that job with Shell and getting my CGA designation was really – the path that showed us what, through my studies, I learned what I needed to do. One of the things that I found through this whole life journey is as accountants, Our studies and our experience really help us focus on our company's balance sheet, our company's income statement, making sure that's reported properly, making sure we minimize expenses. And as accountants in the world we live in today, we're so busy working long hours of overtime and and taking our kids where they need to go, sometimes we forget about our own financial statements, We need to become our own CFOs of our own household. You need to treat your household as a business and Mm -hmm. make sure you understand your assets and liabilities and where your expenses are, and you have to cut costs
0: in your house the same as you do in a business. So that journey is an incredible journey. (laughs) Very much so. (laughs) Still on it. Yeah, still on it. Um, If you could pick out, I guess, the biggest lesson that you learned from everything that you've been through, what would you say it was? Uh, the
1: biggest lesson is not necessarily a financial lesson. yeah. The biggest lesson is to be true to yourself to to have goals and values and dreams to Always understand that you are the one in control of your life, whether it's your financial life, your relationship life, your spiritual life, you are the one in control, and no one else cares about your financial situation, only you. So you have to be in control. And that's the biggest thing I learned out of this. Art and I didn't even realize we were financially independent until I was actually in retirement. <laughs> I thought we'd be working till we were 80 or 90 years old. But focus on those personal financial goals, those personal financial teachings that the CPA Financial Literacy Program teaches. One of the things I'd like to see going forward is that the financial literacy curriculum that CPA has developed across Canada becomes a part of our core curriculum
0: for our CPA students. I think that would be great. For the people out there that are struggling right now, that are saying to themselves, her story sounds great, but I just don't see myself getting there, right? I'm in the dumps. Like, what do you say to them? Where there's a will, there's a way. And I guess that is the biggest lesson of all. If you
1: are passionate about being financially independent and you want to retire someday, there is a way. I mean, there were times in mine and Art's life. Art is my darling husband, yeah. my soulmate. We've been together over 30 years. Oh. Um We know what it's like to go to the grocery store with two bags of pennies to get diapers and powdered milk. We couldn't afford liquid milk. With respect to getting on your feet and starting, there's some key principles that I teach the people that I do financial uh, consultations with. The first is know your fin number. We all have a social insurance number, a SIN number. We probably have it memorized. If you don't, yep, you should.
0: <laughs> I do. We
1: all have a FIN number, too. It's your financial independence number. How much money do you need to have in a nest egg at retirement to be able to finance your retirement? And I say the government benefits are on top of this. Icing on the cake. Exclude those from that number. Mm-hmm. Um so for us we we found out our financial independence number was just under $900,000. When we were told that I'm like I- fell off my chair. I'm like, you can buy three communities in Newfoundland for that. (laughs) that Not the one I grew up in. Like, you're
0: nuts.
1: (laughs) But you need to know what your FIN number is. And you need to take steps to be able to pay yourself to reach that FIN number. And I call it pay yourself first. It's also similar to dollar cost averaging. So you figure out how much you need to meet your retirement goal when you're young a 20-year-old, it might only be $100 a month. If you wait till you're 40 years old, it might be $3,000 a month that you have to save. Now, those numbers are big, but I'll, I can break it down for you. I know we're short on time, so I'll try to make it as quick as I can. But pay yourself first. Just like you... Take your mortgage out. You take your grocery bill out. You take your car insurance out. Take that retirement savings amount out and invest it in a good investment plan every single month. The second thing you need to know is your debt freedom date. Do you know when you will be out of debt? If not, sit with your financial advisor. Figure out what you need to do to set a target to be debt-free and what you need to do to meet that target. And it can be done. It may mean you drink water instead of coffee from Tim Hortons. It may mean you pack your lunches in brown bags rather than eating out for lunch. It may mean, like me, you buy your clothes at Costco or on sale at Lane Bryant's or wherever rather than buying the brand name things. It might may mean not having your nails done every month. There there are ways that it can be done, and Art and I are living proof. Like, we lived—we thought we were living paycheck to paycheck. We were, but yeah. we were maxing out our RRSPs and TFAs first and foremost before any other bills came out of our accounts. Your income protection number is the third thing you need to know. If you have people dependent on you, if your income went away, you need to make sure you have some sort of insurance in place to protect Mm. them. Uh, You should also have a will. Estate planning, I always used to think estate planning were for senior people, retired people. (laughs) Estate planning starts the very first time you start making income. If that's five years old with a lemonade stand or 18 years old or 25 years old. Follow your tax return. Build up RRSP contribution room. An RRSP is, there's no age limit on how young you have to be to start contributing. So contribute. Don't claim the contribution until you actually have a good income to claim it against, but invest it in an RRSP. It grows tax-free. If you are a young family and you have children and a, a spouse, dependent on your income, and that income went away, it can financially devastate a family. So make sure you have income protection or life insurance. I only recommend term insurance. Never buy permanent, whole life cash value. Go on to Dave Ramsey or Susie Orman's website if you want (laughs) to learn more about that. And then the final piece of the puzzle is how much do you need to save every
0: month to meet that financial goal that you have for your retirement? So it's part of saving up to the end goal, right? Like your Absolutely. Do you have any advice about the actual investing aspect of it? Yes. In order, so have you heard of the rule of
1: 72? I have not. So how the rule of 72 works, Albert Einstein came up with it. It's called the eighth wonder of the world. Okay. Um, you take a rate of return, divide it into 72, and that's yeah. how long it takes your money to double at that rate. Okay. So let's say you have your money invested earning three mm-hmm. percent. Seventy-two divided by three is twenty-four. Yeah. It would take twenty-four years for your money to double at okay. that rate. Yeah. So let's do a little quick scenario here. Let's say you invested ten thousand dollars one time earning a three percent rate of return. After twenty-four years it doubles to twenty thousand, another twenty four. Uh, four years, you have yeah. $40,000. Yeah. let us say you started when you were 20 years old. You're now 68. You have $40,000 retirement fund right. to live off of. How long is that going to get you in retirement? $40,000? Uh, not, not very, very long. Far. Most company pension plans and life insurance companies today yeah. pay on average 2 to 4%. Those, Those are, are the number uh, one and number two places we see Canadians retire. Uh, yeah. Saving their money for retirement. So no wonder we have our senior citizens going back to work because they they don't have enough in their nest egg. Now let's look at 6%. Statistics Canada tells us that the average Canadians earn on average about a 6% rate of return. If the majority are getting 3%, the average is 6%. Somebody's getting a lot more than 6%. Right, you yep. follow me? Yeah. Now six is double three, you'd think it would give you twice as much, but seventy-two divided by six is twelve. So now your money is doubling or compounding every twelve, twelve years. years. So you come out instead of forty thousand, a hundred and sixty thousand. So this is now your retirement fund. Yeah. Still not very good. It's better. Not enough. Though. It's not gonna get you through yeah. twenty or thirty years. Now you can look at Andex charts and I won't. Explain what those are here because that's in a whole other 15 <laughs> 20 minutes. Go into any financial institution, you'll see an index chart on the wall. For the last 100 to 150 years, yeah. the overall financial industry has averaged 12%. Return. Seven, yes, okay. 72 divided by 12 is six. Your money now doubles every six, six years. years. That $10,000 now grows to $2 million, $560,000. Mm-hmm. Do you think you could live on that in retirement? I probably could. I think that, <laughs> and that's where we need to, we're taught to fear those investments. Yes. We have to be invested in equities if we want to achieve those higher rates of return. Mm-hmm. But we need to do it just like you wear a seatbelt when you drive your car. You put winter tires on in yeah. the winter. There are things you need to do to protect yourself when you're investing in equities. One I already mentioned is dollar cost averaging. Pay yourself first. And f- markets fluctuate. And in a fluctuating mar- market, it's mm-hmm. a lot better to dollar cost average than to put in lump sums. Yeah. Be disciplined. If the markets go down, don't panic and sell off everything. That's when that pound of butter is on sale. If you went into the store and butter, normally 4 or $5 a pound, and it was on sale for $0.50 a pound, would you only buy one block or a whole bunch? You'd buy a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. The same with when the markets go down. My clients, when they're investing and they see the markets go down, they don't sell off. They understand the rules of investing. They're yeah. like, Lisa, I have some extra <laughs> money. Let's put it here. And I guarantee you that's what the Warren Buffets of the world I are think that's doing. something he says, actually, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And the financial industry as well. Um, so dollar cost averaging, yeah. discipline. Third is diversification. Okay. Don't put all your money into one place. Don't yeah. go out chasing those marijuana stocks now <laughs> that we think marijuana is going to grow yeah. or pharmaceutical stocks docs. Find a good portfolio manager that has at least 10 years experience. And why 10 years? Well, the first time I got my hair colored, I didn't want it to be by an eight-year-old who had never colored hair before. Make sure they've been through a couple of market cycles. The market tends to go up every three to five years and then down for 18 months and and whatever. So make sure you find someone managing your portfolio that has been through a couple market cycles. Make sure you're invested in different countries of the world, in different sectors of the economy, all around the world. Canada is only 2 to 3% of the world marketplace, so don't just invest in Canada. So dollar cost average, discipline, yep. diversification, and make sure that portfolio manager has that 10 years experience. A lot of people say they don't like investing in mutual funds because of the management the expense, expense, right? The fees, right? Yeah. fees. I would not be here today, retired since nine, uh, 2013. I retired at yeah. age 43. I've yeah. been retired nearly six years. I'll be 50 in January excuse me my husband is 52 has heart disease he's yeah. not able to work anymore he's been retired for almost five years yeah and we're still living on 80 90000 plus a year just from our savings and investments we wouldn't be able to do that if we did not make 12 plus percent and our money is growing every year enough yeah. to
0: compensate for our cost of living So what do you say to the person then that says, I'm already just living paycheck to paycheck. I don't have any spare money to pay myself for.
1: Sit down with me. You would be amazed at the places you can find spare money. One of them is car insurance and house insurance. Don't just take that annual renewal bill that you get every year. Call around and get cheaper rates. Um, our cell phone bills are some of the highest in the world. I was paying over a hundred dollars a month for my cell phone bill.
0: Yeah, I found so was I actually. Yeah,
1: yeah. My cell phone bill now is fifty dollars plus GST. I have yep. unlimited calling. I have eight gigs of data, and I love Kudo for allowing me okay. to do that. <laughs> Your home internet cable. Do you really need a home phone in this day? I don't have one. I don't either anymore. Do we really need cable when you have Netflix and Amazon Prime and all these other streaming channels and IPTV? And shop around for that, you know, Internet service. When Art and I were working full-time thinking we didn't have time for anything and we paid our bills because we thought that's what we had to pay, we were paying almost $200 a month for home... Phone, internet, and cable. Yeah. We're paying $60 a month now. So there's there's a way if you have the time. And sit with me. Like, buy your things you need to make your lunches for work. Are you buying lattes at Tim Hortons every day? That $5 latte. Guilty. So if you do, just do the math. That's over $3,000 a year you're spending on coffee. Go to Costco. Get a can of Tim Hortons coffee at Costco and a percolator. Have it on a timer so your coffee's ready for you when you get up in the morning. Buy the Contigo mugs, the insulated mugs at at Costco. You've spent maybe $150, $200
0: versus $3,000. So there's a lot of great to-dos that you've talked to us about today. Do you have any stayaways? Things that people need to be aware of that they should stay away from when in terms of investing,
1: advertising. We okay. are bombarded with advertising. You have to have this new Coach purse. You have yeah. to have the Lululemon workout clothes. You have to have whatever. You have to go to the Keg if you want to eat out and take your wife or husband out <laughs> for an anniversary. The most romantic anniversary dinner Art and I have ever had is when we packed a picnic and went and sat by the Bow River and he taught me how to fly fish. You can't put a price tag on that, but if having that Tim Hortons coffee is what gives you a purpose in life and gets you out of
0: bed in the morning, keep doing it and we'll look at other ways to save you money. Um, So, you mentioned just a lot of good tips. Um, Do you have any resources that you have a suggestion for people to look at? Absolutely. CPA Canada Financial Literacy
1: website. (laughs) (laughs) It is phenomenal. And uh, the company I'm affiliated with is called Primerica. They have a lot of good tips on their website as well. Yeah. The banks and financial institutions all have really good tips on how to stay ahead in your finances. CBC News has a personal health site, and a lot of times they put some really good tips on there, too. And just Google. You can ask Google anything these days. We have the Google Home Mini. It's hilarious. (laughs) But just ask Google, how can I save money on grocery shopping? How can I save money on car insurance? How can I get the right mortgage? And sometimes we pay a lot more in interest rates for a mortgage than we need to. Never, ever, ever life insurance or disability insurance on a mortgage. Go okay. get your own individual yeah. policy separate. If you want more information about that, Google Lisa M. Matthews or find yeah. me on Facebook. <laughs> I have a little blog I started on Facebook just giving tips on, on how to find
0: money where you don't think there's none to be found. And in terms of all the information that's out there, right, do you have any tips on what um, what is good information versus what is bad information? The best piece of advice
1: I can give someone is to have a financial advisor, a good financial mm-hmm. advisor. This information is overwhelming. There's yeah. so much. Running a household in today's society is as challenging as running a business. So have that good financial advisor that you can bounce things off of when you think there's no way this would work for me. It's amazing. Someone, especially someone with a life experience. You know that's a lot of what I learned about finances. I did learn a lot in my CPA studies and my C. I'm a CFP as well, certified financial planner. Planner. Yeah. But a lot of what I learned in the school of hard knocks. Yeah. I get knocked (laughs) down, but I I get get up up again. again. (laughs) And just you know, in many households, finances is a taboo topic. Mm -hmm. I don't care what anyone says. I'm struggling with MS now. I almost lost my husband. My son has autism my my daughter has issues as well yeah type 1 and type 2 diabetes so i've been through almost every form of stress you can imagine yeah. the most difficult from my personal experience has been the financial stress you feel like there's this weight on you that you just can't get out from under you feel the world closing in on you yeah if i can help just one family not have to endure that then I've served my purpose. And so talk to someone, talk to your family, talk to your kids about finances, teach them financial literacy at a young age. When they have that lemonade stand, tell them to save 10, I prefer 20, but if you start with 10%, (laughs) save 10% of what you make or 20%, put it in a bank account and file your tax return. And if you start that education at an early age, it It doesn't become a taboo subject. You become
0: the one in control, and that's the key word, control. Well, thank you very much, Lisa. So this episode explored Lisa's story from bankruptcy to early retirement and her her insights into investing and financial literacy. Um, Once again, thank you so much for sharing your amazing life story with us here today. Are there any final thoughts you'd like to give our audience? Be happy. Dream.
1: It's okay to dream. If you think there's nowhere to go, Mm -hmm. have that hope. Make a vision board. Put that picture of that mansion or that Mediterranean cruise (laughs) on your vision board or that cup of Tim Hortons coffee. Or that latte, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Put it on your vision board and talk to your financial advisor. Find a financial advisor. Reach out to CPA to host a financial literacy session in your home, in your community, in your sports club, at your place of work, and spread the news because financial independence is possible for every single Canadian.
0: There you have it then, straight from the CPA's mouth. This is our last special special in our series for Financial Literacy Month. Over the course of this important month, we've covered various aspects of smart money management. We hope that you've enjoyed this special series and that you've been able to learn some useful tips for managing your own money. As Financial Literacy Month comes to a close, we will be returning to our regular program. Make sure to tune into our next episode to hear a CPA answer the question, what is the wisest thing that you have ever heard from someone? And don't forget to subscribe to the Straight from the CPA's Mouth mailing list for additional content and perks. Straight From the CPA's Mouth is brought to you by the CPA Education Foundation. The CPA Education Foundation is the charitable arm of the Alberta CPA profession, providing up to $1.2 million each year in support of business and accounting education in the province. This podcast is just one of many resource materials available through the Heshi CPA Knowledge Centre. This virtual hub features Alberta CPAs sharing their unique perspective and vast expertise on topics and issues such as leadership,
1: finance, entrepreneurship, and more. Visit cbalberta.ca
0: foundation for more information on the Heshey CPA Knowledge Center and to learn how Alberta CPAs inspire success.